With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Yes, living the dream once again here on a monster sports Saturday. This is Fox Sports Saturday, and we are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers, TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Well, Bucky, we got pretty much everything going on today. Uh, the NBA playoffs are underway. Uh, again, this Endless NBA playoffs, four out of seven now, four out of seven, four out of seven. Uh, finally, we'll get to the finals sometime in June. So a long road ahead for these NBA playoffs. We also have the NFL draft less than two weeks away, and Bucky's going to break it all down. He's going to give you every single pick in the draft coming up on the show today. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that to you, but I did see your mock draft 3.0. So we're going to get into some of that. Some of the teams, I want to focus in on some of the teams, uh, Bucky, and what they're looking for in this draft. But right at the top, I just want to mention today is Jackie Robinson Day uh, in Major League Baseball back in 1947 on this date. Jackie Robinson made his debut in Major League Baseball. You know, his wife, Rachel, who is 100 years old, she will be 101 in July. Uh, I, I met. I don't know if you've ever met Rachel Robinson. I met her 10 years ago, Bucky. She was 90 at the time, and she did not look a day over 65. I'm, I was like looking around, like she can't be for real, is she? I mean, this woman is 90 years old. Beautiful woman, still very much involved with the Jackie Robinson Foundation. She carries on his legacy, but trying to put perspective on Jackie Robinson's impact, not just in baseball, not just in the sports world, but in this country. I mean, we talk about before Brown versus the Board of Education. We talk about before the Civil Rights Movement, before Dr. Martin Luther King. When you think about the Civil Rights Movement, in many ways, it really began with the emergence of Jackie Robinson in Major League Baseball. And to think back of everything that this man had to go through to be the standard bearer for his race, to change America forever, 
incredible. I mean, I, I think as time has gone on and we think about what this man endured when he broke into Major League Baseball in 1947 uh, is even more impressive with time. Absolutely. Very impressive. Um, it's impressive the sacrifice that he had to make, the ability to, um, I would say, keep his ego in check and facing not only uh, a lot of scrutiny, but a lot of poor treatment uh, as he was fighting, just have an opportunity to play the game that he loved. Um, as a baseball dad, my son plays at San Jose State. Uh, I played coming up the ranks, and baseball was like my first love. Uh, this is always a great day of reflection. And when you think about the sacrifices that he and so many of those pioneers made early to provide greater opportunities for not only black, but for black and Latino players to also play in America's favorite pastime. Look, it's a very special deal. And so to think about the 42, how 42 has been retired in all the stadiums and all that, uh, Jackie Robinson certainly deserves his flowers. And today is a great day of commemoration. You know, when we talk about greatest athletes of all time, right? And we, we mentioned names like Muhammad Ali or a Michael Jordan, or if you want to go old school with a Jim Thorpe or names like this. Jackie Robinson, as an all-around athlete, let's put some perspective here. So when Jackie Robinson went to UCLA, he started his collegiate career at Pasadena City College, Frankfurt, or UCLA, he was a four-sports star. He played football, he played basketball, he played baseball, and he was a track star. Baseball was by far his weakest sport. In fact, one year at UCLA, he hit under 100 Then he went into the war. When he came out, he played one year of Negro League baseball. Mm -hmm. He was signed by the Dodgers, played one year of minor league ball in Montreal. And then the next year, at age 28, he not only debuts in Major League Baseball, he wins the first ever Rookie of the Year award, and he's fifth in the MVP voting, and he leads the Dodgers to the World Series. So (laughs) this was maybe his worst sport. And he yeah. had this dominant career. So I, it always gets to me, well, who's the greatest athlete of all time? I mean, there's a lot of ways to go, but I'm looking at versatility. He was an insane athlete. Led the nation in punt returns at UCLA. I mean, he could literally do it all. He, he can do it all. And, you know, this is a thing, and we, we talk about baseball in the pastime. Just think about the level of athleticism that was participating in baseball back then. Mm-hmm. And we have seen uh, the numbers decline in terms of the numbers of African-American kids that are participating in the sport. Um, and and to me, is is sad because there's so many players who would have athletes that would have stuff to offer baseball when it comes mm. to the athleticism and what they can play and those things. And so whatever the reason is, whether it's perception of cool or the uh, expense of playing the sport, you would just love to see some of these multi-sport players. And I'm not just saying black players, but multi-sport players participating in the game. I am a huge fan of multi-sport players doing everything that you can do before you settle in, whether that's in college or not. But for Jackie Robinson to be a three-sport star, a standout in so many different things, uh, to pave the way for so many to uh, play that game, I think it's, it's outstanding. It's awesome. Now, I'm a little biased, obviously, being a UCLA guy. Uh, for about four years, I emceed the uh, Athletic Hall of Fame ceremonies at UCLA. And as we welcome in a new class of inductees, I'm reminding them, by the way, you're joining the likes of Jackie Robinson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton and John Wooden and 
the list goes on and on. But you, the fact that I'm able to utter the name Jackie Robinson uh, in that conversation was always a thrill to me. So anyway, Jackie Robinson Day of Major League Baseball. A lot of baseball going on. By the way, later on, Adam Kaplan's going to be joining us, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider. We're going to get into the NFL draft. But I, I want to get your thoughts, Bucky, as we get these NBA playoffs underway. Uh, can we back up a little bit? The play-in tournament. Mm-hmm. All right, so again, as we watch the 7 and 8 seeds both survive the play-in round as the 9 and 10 seeds are eliminated, and I keep thinking to myself, why are the 9 and 10 seeds doing anything other than getting ready for the lottery uh, in the NBA? Why are they still playing? Um, the I, I don't like the play-in round other than the idea that there's a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. You know, and there is no sense of urgency as we get these NBA playoffs underway. I'm going to show you how times have changed. In Magic Johnson's second year with the Lakers. So remember his rookie year, they win the championship, you know, 42, 15, and 7, filling in with the injured, you know, Kareem was on, on the sidelines. The next year, the Lakers played the Houston Rockets with Moses Malone in the first round. It was best two out of three. The Lakers lost the first game at home. They go back to Houston, win that game, and then promptly come home and lose. Imagine if this opening round were best two out of three. All of a sudden, there would be a lot more, in my opinion, interest in these series. Because then, if you are the favored team and you only have that one extra game, you know, at home, hey, you know, there's a little sense of urgency. That's my biggest problem with the NBA playoffs. Look, I I, I enjoy it certainly by the time we get to the finals, but by the time we get to the finals, I'm exhausted. And guess what? So are the players. I mean, it's just <laughs> the idea of four rounds of best four out of seven, I understand the money aspect, but to me, it just waters down the postseason in the NBA. Um, I, th- I think it's a nice appetizer, right? Uh, so I-, I see it a little differently. It's a nice appetizer for me because the urgency is increased. It's really the first time that I've had an opportunity to really watch some of the 9 and 10 seeds. So to see OKC doing their thing, to watch them go toe-to-toe with the Pels before they were um, kind of dismissed, I I dug it. Um, I-, I do agree with everyone that's been kind of touting the the virtues of maybe a shorter first round. Uh, when you go to three games, when you go to five games, uh, it adds an element of mystery to it because anything can happen in those. Uh, when you play four out of seven, typically the best team always wins. And so I am okay with that. But I think going all the way back to, God, was it the Nuggets that knocked off the Sonics Years ago, I can't remember if that format was two out of three or three out of five. Three out of five. But but the upsets begin to happen. Yeah. And so you have to then ask yourself, do you want to see some of the best teams and some of the best players knocked out before they get to the semis and finals? Or would you like the intrigue of everyone having to watch the entire postseason because you just don't know what's going to happen from the opening tip? Yeah, we had that unprecedented run of two teams facing each other in the NBA Finals four years in a row when the Warriors uh, were going against LeBron. I'll say the LeBron instead of the Cavs. Um, and everything else was just sort of like, we're just waiting, 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 waiting. Oh, there we go. Finally, there we go. What we've been waiting for, Cavs and Warriors. This year, though... There are some very interesting matchups. On the other side, we're going to talk about some of the potential matchups of teams that are veteran teams 
going against some of the younger teams that maybe no one expected to get this far. Which upsets will we see? We'll tell you coming up next. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You do understand, Sam, that this song was connected to a sponsor that I had for over a decade at my old L.A. station. Really? You do understand? You don't know that? I didn't know that. I just wanted to rock a little Fat Boy Slim and some Bootsy Collins. I can't sing it because, obviously, they're not a sponsor here on Fox Sports Radio. But, yes, I actually uh, sang to this song and made a certain sponsor legendary. By the way, once again, we are Fox Sports Saturday, Steve Harbin, Bucky Brooks, and we are live from the TireRack.com studios All right, so let's get into uh, some of these playoff series. Uh, Certainly no surprise, the Sixers, uh, I probably will sweep the Nets. (laughs) The Nets, uh, if you don't know, the Nets no longer have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So um, they piled up a lot of wins early in the year to get into that uh, sixth seed. Uh, Meanwhile, the Celtics, as a two seed, should have no problem with the Hawks. Off to an early lead in this game, up 17, by the way, 42 to 25. But we do have a couple of games coming up uh, later on that uh, should be some interesting series. Um, One thing, Bucky, um, before we even get to the breakdown here, um, I wanted to get your reaction to DeMar DeRozan's daughter screaming Uh, When the Raptors were at the free throw line, they shot just 50%. By the way, she had to have security escort out of the arena after the game because there were online threats against this little girl. I kept thinking about all the people sitting around her as she was screaming. By the way, that's pretty good screaming for a kid. And I can (laughs) believe me, and you know, Bucky, because you've gone deaf sitting Mm -hmm. next to me. I have a really loud voice, and I can scream like you can't believe. Um, But I'm surprised if they're going to allow that to happen. I'm surprised other teams don't designate someone to say, hey, if she can do it, anybody can do it. It is free (laughs) season for screamers to drown out everybody else. What did you make of the whole thing? 
I mean, it well, was unbelievable. What What did you make of that well, situation? I, I thought it was ridiculous that they were able to miss so many free throws. Now, the fact that she was screaming was something else because I was like, oh, man, that's that's a lot. But it worked and it was effective. And so mm. at the end of the day, you're talking about free throws, shots, no defense, you basically in the basket. You need to be able to knock down the free throws regardless of who's screaming, who's yelling, what they're doing behind the basket, any of that. You should be able to knock the free throws down. All right. I, I'm going to back up from the mic for a second here. Okay. So I'm going to get you a good screen. Ready? Okay. You can you can still hear me over here, right? Here we go. Yeah, I can hear you. Here we go. Here we go. Ah! You know what, Hartman? I just made the free throw. Now you fake me at all. Now you see, I can I can really scream loud, and I was way off the mic on that one. So maybe you know if you if if there's an NBA team that is willing to give me courtside seats so I could be their designated screamer, I'm here to be hired. I'm telling you. I will <laughs> rattle them every single time. If The NBA may have to step in and say, eh, no, do we really want this to happen? It's a little girl. But anyway, so uh, she... <laughs> She's she's back at school. Of course, uh, her dad's team got eliminated uh, in Miami in the next round. All right, so let's 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 break this down right now. Uh, we got the Knicks and the Cavs, mm-hmm. and you know when we talk about MVP candidates, and of course they've already announced the three finalists, same as last year: Jokic, uh, uh, Embiid, and uh, Giannis. Uh, Donovan Mitchell and the impact he's had on this Cavaliers. You remember how bad the Cavs were just a couple of years ago? Now they have all this young talent, and then you have the infusion of a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who averaged 28 points a game. I, I mean, I, I actually the way the MVP ballot bears out, there's five spots on it. I don't know if I don't include Donovan Mitchell on that list because he had that kind of impact, I think, on the Cavs this year. He certainly had a great impact. And this was a team that was on the come uh, last season. Uh, what they were doing with the two bigs, what J.B. Bickerstaff has done to kind of, I guess, re- not only repair the organization, rebuild the culture, establish the culture, get them back to winning. Uh, they deserve it. But, yeah, Spidey is, is, is going to get his fair share of the credit because he came over in a blockbuster trade. They are sitting right where they need to be in the thick of – the playoff race, and they have a team in the New York Knicks that, look, this, not saying this is, I think this is a fairly even series, but this is one where they can put a feather in their cap and they're able to pull this off. Yeah, Jalen Brunson, another guy. It just has tremendous value for this Knicks team. Uh, You know, obviously they have Randall as well, a couple of guys that can score. I I just think down, ultimately, the winner of this series, we're going to look at Brunson and we're going to look at Mitchell. Who had a better series? Your star players have to step up in these series. I agree with you. I think this is a very even matchup. And then we got the game later on between the Warriors and the Kings. There has never been a playoff series, according to the odds makers, where a six seed was as prohibitive a favorite over a three seed as the Warriors are over the Kings. But my question is why? The Warriors this year, on the road, had a record of 11 and 30. 11 and 30 on the road. And obviously, the Kings have the home court advantage. So when we look at Fox and we look at Sabonis, you look at these young stars going against the grizzled veterans that are the Warriors. Which way are you leaning in this series? I think you naturally have to lean to the Warriors because they're the defending champs, they have the experience. 
um, that makes it different. These games change. No matter what people tell you about regular season and postseason play, it, 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 there is a change. The urgency, the importance of every possession. Uh, that's why you see guys play the way that they play. Turnovers, compounding those things, getting easy layups, uh, which is why there used to be a no layup rule uh, in, enacted by the Detroit Pistons back in the bad boy era. So it's just a different game. And so when I look at that and I think about all those things, is Sacramento going to be ready for that? They haven't had enough like wars to kind of get themselves ready for that. And the fact that mm-hmm. you're the Warriors and you already know how, you know how to win the championship, you've done it from a few different spots, yeah, that confidence makes them very difficult to contend with, very difficult to knock out. Think about this. The last six times the Warriors were in the playoffs. Now, one year they were eliminated in the play-in round, but the last six times they've been in the playoffs, they made it to the NBA Finals. That's a pretty good run. I mean, last year I mean, that's a great run. That's I mean, a lot of experience. That's a lot, and last year was a prime example. I, I'm glad you you mentioned that idea that the playoffs are a different beast. Why do you, why do you believe, Bucky, when you look at you know this kind of match? I mean, a similar thing with the Lakers and the Grizzlies, where you're looking at you know veterans, guys that have been there uh, versus younger legs. You know, it, it would seem like hey, young legs, especially over a seven game series, uh, would prevail. But why is experience such a factor in your opinion when it comes to the playoffs? Experience is a factor because the experienced guys understand, one, the intensity, the urgency that is required to win a playoff game. Because if you've had your heart broken before, you know that every possession matters in these games. So you can't throw away possessions. You can't just give them away uh, because every point counts in these situations. Two, the, the physicality and the urgency, a lot of that comes from just knowing this is it. We have to muddy up the game to make it one where we can win. So we're going to make sure that everybody has to earn every point that they get. No layups, no easies, um, challenge everything, make them shoot over high hands. All those things are in play. And so that's why you see some of the ugly stuff that, that, that we've seen in the last couple of playoffs in terms of teams inability to put points on the board. And by the way, that's uh, true of uh, any sport. And, and not only, you know, I've, I've said this many times about the NHL playoffs that it's not just the intensity is different or experience counts. It's not even the same game. Like they, like they play a different brand of hockey in the postseason than they do in the regular season. Uh, obviously, played in the NFL. I mean, is it is there something to be said on even how you play the game is different when you're in the postseason? A little bit. Everyone puts a little more time on tasks. Everyone is asked to do a little extra, more more time on the practice field, more time in the film room. Coaches are digging through, sorting through stuff, uh, making sure that preparation is not an issue. And because you're so dialed into the game plan, uh, you either get after it and have like a, 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 a tremendous game because your focus allows you to kind of see and anticipate what's about to happen, or you're floundering because you never catch your breath. You never get you never get yourself in a point where you can be trusted to go in there and execute it. So a lot of the situation when it comes to young guys, can you be trusted? Can you 
Can you come through and do the things that you're supposed to do when everyone in the building knows that you're supposed to do those things? All right, we're that, going to get playoffs. Uh, we're going to get into that Lakers series coming up against the Grizzlies on the other side. But first, a reminder: we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Let's find out what is trending right now. And, uh, well, guess who's here? Monsi is here, and the biggest story that came out with uh, Jonas <laughs> was your mother's situation with cars yes. parked in front of the driveway. Uh. Um, so she had, you know, tow trucks everywhere. She <laughs> called them off. Um, yeah, she but, was. But, but really, that's because of you. No, right? I wanted her to tow the car. She's too nice of a person. Right. Uh, and decided not to. Bucky, somebody parked in front of my parents' driveway completely blocking their garage. They live in a neighborhood across the street from a park, and on the weekends during baseball season, there's a lot of families that come, and there's three different fields, so there's a lot of action. But there's parking. People are just lazy. And they parked right in front, and I told my mom, Mommy, call the sheriff right now. And Mm -hmm. they came, and then she called me, and she was like, I didn't have the heart to get the car towed, so I told them to stop, but I asked them to just leave them a really fat ticket. <laughs> so, um, and by the way, it wasn't any car; it was a giant van. It was right? a giant van. Right. It just was like, it just so mm-hmm. like the audacity, the audacity. Mm-hmm. If I was at my parents' house, I would be waiting by that car right now. I would just be waiting for them so I could chit chat and have a, a, chit-chat. Have a little right. chit chat about what what is what's acceptable and what is not. Mm. But she is much nicer than me. So Why do she... I get a sense Bucky would have handled that differently? <laughs> oh, I would have had him towed. Right? I got him about to paint. Bye. Right. My mom yeah. said that she was like, I just thought of the kids coming back to the car with all their baseball gear and then their car's not there. And I was like, well, my, the, the, the parents should be responsible. Thank like, you. Yeah. No, I, I understand. That's on the parents. Not I on... know. Yeah. Yeah. But my mom, my mom is a, a, a nicer yeah. woman than I am. Yeah. That is for <laughs> sure. No questions asked. Game one between the Hawks and the Celtics is going and it's all Boston. I called this to be the one series that could be a sweep in the first round. I thought Boston had the possibility of sweeping the Atlanta Hawks and right now they're up 59 to 32 with four minutes to go in the first half. Jason Tatum leading all scores. He's got 18 points and five rebounds so far in the game. And for the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets, it was Philly who came out on top. 121 to 101 was the final score. 76ers hit 21 out of 40 three three-pointers. James Harden hit seven of those three-pointers and Doc Rivers had nothing but nice things to say. James, I thought one of his best games is being a, I guess a catcher where he's calling the perfect game. He ended with a double-double, 23 points and 13 assists. MVP candidate Joel Embiid ended with 26 points and five rebounds. In Major League Baseball, Orioles right now have taken the lead over the White Sox 5-4, bottom of the seventh. The Pirates and the Cardinals are tied. They're about to start the ninth inning in St. Louis tied at three apiece. Blue Jays who snapped the Rays winning streak yesterday. They did not break the record and win 14 in a row. No, they lost. So the Blue Jays right now are beating the Rays again. 3-1 bottom of the fifth inning. Brewers and Padres tied bottom of the first at two apiece. A's up on the Mets 1-0 bottom of the second. The Angels beating the Red Sox 4-2 bottom of the first. A lot of scoring nowadays and I love it. Diamondbacks up on the Marlins 1-0 bottom of the first. The Giants were beating the Tigers by 
five runs. And then the Tigers rallied, came out on top in 10 innings. 7-6 was the final score. The Yankees outscored the Twins 6-1. Pitcher Domingo Germán retired his first 16 batters for New York. And the manager of the Twins was ejected because they were looking at Germán's hands for like a really long time. And there's a video where the umpire is like telling him, and you could read that he tells him, you have to wash your hands. But we couldn't tell anything else what else he was saying. And then after the lengthy conversation, the Twins manager, uh, Rocco Baldelli, I think is his name, he went out there. He got mad because he was like, you could tell he was like, if you are looking at his hands for so long, then something is wrong. Why are you letting him go back in the game? And then he got ejected. And the Yankees won. Six to one. Back to you guys. All right, Monty. I love your mom. I don't even know, know your mom. I love your mom. I know. You know sweet, she was a, sweet woman. Sweet woman, indeed. Um, all right. Let's. I, by the way, you mentioned uh, that you think the Celtics could sweep the Hawks. Yes. Uh, the Hawks may just bail out of this series right now. Yeah. I mean, this is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, fifty-nine thirty-two with four minutes to go, still in the first half. So mm-hmm. the Hawks showing absolutely no resistance. I'll tell you another series that may go four straight. I think the Suns could sweep the Clippers. No! Why? Why? Why would you I'm, say that? Don't because, put that in the universe. Because I'm telling you, Monsi, first of all, the Suns, and Bucky, you know this, they have not lost a game with Kevin Durant in the lineup. Only eight games, not much of a sample size, but he's ready to go. But this Clippers team, uh, you know, PG is out until his knee is 100%. Yes. So if it's 99%, he ain't playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, I, I reported this in LA TV last night. Yeah, he'll be back when he's 100%. Looking back to that knee injury, he's not going to be 100%. Uh, I, I just, again, this is a dysfunctional organization. Mikey, what do you think of uh, Doc Rivers? Every time I hear Doc, I, I, there's, I'm, I'm twofold on Doc Rivers. When he was the coach of the Clippers, if you wonder why this guy is so popular, the media, if you're a media member, you fall in love with Doc Rivers from day one because he answers all the questions, he engages, he does everything you would want if you're a member of the media, and in return, they treat him nicely. But when you look at all the teams that he has, especially with the Clippers, that absolutely collapse in the postseason, and then for him to to claim that, well, they didn't have really, really a lot of chemistry, they didn't have a lot of camaraderie on those teams, I'm like... I'm sorry. Isn't that your job as the coach to bring the team together? I just, I'm not a Doc Rivers guy. I just, I'm just not. I mean, he's a super nice guy and a great guy to deal with. But in terms of being a top level coach, I don't see it. I don't. I mean, it it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest look, but I actually appreciated the honesty and the transparency. We all wondered in L.A., what was wrong with this Clippers team? This Clippers team is as talented as any in the National Basketball Association, but they couldn't get over the hump. And they did it with different pieces and different parts and still couldn't figure it out. And so when he finally revealed that, you know, the team didn't really get along. They didn't like each other. Hard to win a title when you don't like each other. A like lot that. of teams that don't get along nah, and won titles but, over the yeah, years. But you got to have chemistry, though, man. You have to have the chemistry and the connectivity. No, they weren't connected. Well, whose fault is that? Chris Paul's fault because he was the point guard. Remember, I mean, you already had DeAndre Jordan, you had Blake Griffin, right? And all of a sudden, here comes Chris Paul, if not the best point guard, and a very short list of best point guards in the NBA at the time. Is that to me? It sounds like he's blaming Chris Paul. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily blaming Chris Paul, but I will say this: that locker room was man. They it was always something. 
Yeah. Always something like just extra. And sometimes when you are the leader and you have a prickly personality, yeah, you get all the blowback. And maybe it, it, it was time to get some of that blowback. I, I don't know. But it just it just seems like with Chris Paul and with this team and with him and Blake Griffin's relationship not appearing to be solid at all, some of the other players, they just mismanaged what they had. They they had a lottery ticket and just didn't cash it in. All right, so a lot of people are assuming that once you get to the postseason, you flip a switch and boom, you're ready to go, especially these veterans teams with Phoenix or with Golden State. And a lot of people are thinking the exact same thing with the Lakers. They open up their series tomorrow against the Memphis Grizzlies. So before we get to the Lakers, let's talk about two big problems for the Lakers when they face this Grizzlies team. Uh, let's talk with Jaron Jackson, who uh, probably is the defensive player of the year. He was announced one of the finalists. If you if you haven't seen him in action, he's as big as Anthony Davis. He's younger than Anthony Davis. In many ways, he's Anthony Davis's worst nightmare. But then the bigger nightmare is Jean Morant. Because when you don't have anybody to protect the rim, and obviously the Lakers don't because it's been layup city against their non-defense pretty much all season long. And I know some people say, well, if you look at their defensive uh, numbers, they're they're better than you think. I'm going eyeball test. Because when teams are aggressive going to the hoop against the Lakers, there seems to be little resistance and Jean Morant is as good as any player in this league from the perimeter that can drive and get his shots inside. So let's let's talk about AD versus Jackson. How do you see that matchup going? Man, this is whew, this is tough. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I, I, I mean, I like AD. I think AD's the guy. I think AD just has to kind of do his thing. He has to be one of the best players. He has to be a top twenty player. He has that. He can do it. He can do it. He can do well, it. Well, he has to be aggressive. So he has to be aggressive. He has to get he has to get it. Now, if you can be honest, they have to run the offense through him and not through the king. If they run it through him, then he's going to be engaged because he's going to have a lot of touches. He'll probably get bumped and bruised a little bit. That'll put him on the foul line. That'll help him get his rhythm. If he gets his rhythm, no one's better than him. Darvin Ham, I've said this many times. Uh, I am impressed with the man. I'm not impressed with him as a coach. Um, he has done things over the course of his first year as a head coach, and it's a learning process. It doesn't matter how many years you played in the league or an assistant in the league. When you become a head coach, you got to make decisions out there. And I think, unfortunately, the Lakers are where they are right now, barely sneaking into the playoffs because of some of the things that Darvin Ham has yet to learn as a head coach and managing a team. But what do you think their plan of attack is with Jean Morant? Do you, do you, do you just concede because this this kid already in a small sample size in the postseason has shown that as good as he is in the regular season, he could be better in the postseason. And that suspension, I think in a lot of ways, only ignited him to go next level. I expect him to be on fire in this series. So how do you handle that if you're the Lakers? Yes, it would be tough. I'll handle that when it comes to handling him. Uh, he's going to be animated. He's going to be agitated. He's going to be excited. Uh, you got to kind of look look internal. You got to look inside and kind of focus on what you bought into to an- allow you to be a, a functioning member of this team. You got to go back to those principles. All right. So then you have LeBron James at age 38, 20 years in the league. And we saw in that play in game that they had to go extra time and he got sloppy at the end of the game. Now, he did dish off for what should have been the game-winning shot at the end of regulation. 
But do you still believe that LeBron James, who has taken 10 different teams to the NBA Finals, still has enough gas left in the tank to do a similar thing with this Lakers team? Yeah, I mean, look, I think this is one where he's going to have to dig down deep, but he's going to have to use his his, his – as other players. He's going to have to use everybody. Everyone's going to have to be great for this team to get it done. Um, they, they've shown flashes. They've been better down the stretch. But it's still not a, a powerhouse team. And so, to me, the big test would be, how do these teams look when they, they score off? How does he get it going? Does he go early to try and set the table? Or does he allow the other guys to kind of do work and then he kind of eases himself into the game? That's the big deal. All right. Well, here we go. A long, long run. <laughs> for these NBA playoffs, to say the least. But things get started this weekend. So far, one blowout in the books, another blowout going on right now. This is what happens when you have one seeds going against eights. Uh, We'll see which series actually turn out to be series uh, in this postseason. Coming up on the other side with Bucky in the house and the draft less than two weeks away, we're going to dive into some of the divisions around the NFL. What are teams in the AFC West looking for we'll break it down this is fox sports saturday what do you get when you combine a three-time manager of the year and a three-time national sports writer of the year it's the book of joe podcast hey this is tom verducci from fox sports mlb network and sports illustrated and i'm joe madden and we're going to be around to talk a little bit about managerial decisions playoff games and what may have occurred in the dugout maybe in the 1980s i can't wait for this joe we're going to dive into what goes on in the dugout and behind the scenes in major league baseball cars wines, whatever else we want to talk about listen to the book Joe podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar, whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Steve Harbin, Bucky Brooks, Fox Sports Saturday. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. So we are less than two weeks away from the NFL draft, and we have the, I'm going to say dominant, draft prognosticator in the world, Bucky Brooks. By the way, 
one thing about Bucky, and if you follow Bucky, and well, most of you do, but if you don't, uh, and you check out his mock drafts, they look very different than other mock drafts around the NFL. Um, and and I, I want to take advantage uh, because there obviously we have listeners from everywhere anxious to fear, hear what Bucky has to say about what their team is going to do in the upcoming NFL draft. Before we even get to any of that, though, obviously quarterbacks are always the focus. So I'm reading all these you know odds makers and everything else that it's a done deal that Bryce Young will be the number one overall pick of the Carolina Panthers. And and Will Levis will be the third quarterback taken in this draft behind uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. And then I'm looking at your latest mock draft, mock draft 3.0. So this was uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And you have the Carolina Panthers selecting – C.J. Stroud at number one with Bryce Young going two to the Texans. And then I scan your first round and I don't see the name Will Levis anywhere. Mm. So again, let's, and again, Bucky has, has been a personnel guy. He's worked in front offices. He played the game. He's been a broadcaster, writer. I mean, you've covered it from every possible angle when it comes to the NFL draft. Why are you thinking differently than so many of the other so-called experts as we get ready for this NFL draft? Well, I mean, like, here's the thing. When you're doing a mock draft, I'll give a disclaimer. Like, it's an exercise. It's an exercise in just what teams could be thinking, what happens if one person goes off the grid, does something different than what all of us on the outside are expecting. When it comes to Will Levis directly, um, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, uh, I think just we just have to be careful of falling in love with, like, the hype and the possibilities of all these quarterbacks being, like, the class of 1983. When John Elway and Dan Marino and Jim Kelly and all those guys came and revolutionized the National Football League, I don't see these guys in that light. And so with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, I think the danger is these are talented uh, athletes, talented prospects, but they haven't been consistent or consistently great players throughout their college years. And so when you think about going up a level, the harder game, um, I'm just reluctant to and hesitant to just say, hey, man, these guys are going to be first-round talents. They're going to be franchise quarterbacks and those things. And I know we've seen, you know, quarterbacks be pushed up, but a lot of times when those quarterbacks have been pushed up, it hasn't turned out well for them. Here's the biggest challenge I see evaluating any position, but especially the quarterback position, because I'll, I'll go way back, as I often do on this show, to that 1998 draft when the Indianapolis Colts had the first pick and the Chargers moved up into the second pick and it was about Peyton Manning versus Ryan Leaf. Now, we laugh about it now, but at the time, and Bobby Beathard, Hall of Famer, was then the uh, general manager of the San Diego Chargers. And I remember conversations with Bobby trying to evaluate these two quarterbacks, and basically what he was saying was the consensus at the time. Peyton Manning essentially was a four-year starter at Tennessee, so you mm-hmm. knew exactly what you were getting with Peyton Manning. On the other hand, Ryan Leaf had started a couple years, came out of school early out of Washington State, led him to their first Rose Bowl in almost 70 years. And the argument was, what you see in Manning is as good as it's ever going to get. Ryan Leaf, on the other hand, has barely tapped his potential. So this this argument about, okay, 
you're evaluating guys. You say, I mean, let's get back to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Is it possible that you say, all right, we've seen Bryce Young. This is what you're going to get with Bryce Young. But with C.J. Stroud, there may be more meat on the bone. How hard is that to try to evaluate what a guy's potential is five, ten years down the road? I mean, it's always difficult to evaluate like potential because that's what it is. It's potential. It's unrealized uh, production and performance. Whereas um, what you find is you're more likely to get what someone has always already done because they can replicate that. What we're hoping on with a lot of these guys, and this is not just pertain to the quarterback, we're hoping that there's still some left and that we get that. But the thing is, it's never guaranteed. And so sometimes when you go too hard on the potential, it's unrealized. You're setting yourself up for failure. And so to me, it's a lot easier to look at what someone has done in their past and say that what they've done in the past, they're more likely to replicate it than, oh, I'm going to say that this guy can do it because they have the talent, but they've never demonstrated it. Well, again, you look at a Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't an All-American. Josh Allen, not All-Americans. They saw potential down the road, and it's flourished for the Chiefs and the Bills, respectively. All right, coming up on the other side, our first division we're going to focus in on is the AFC West. Which direction will they go in the NFL draft? This is Fox Sports Saturday. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Is there a mercy rule in the NBA playoffs? Can we call off this Celtics beatdown of the Hawks now? 74-44. Ugly. It's a layup drill. I mean, yikes. All right, here we are. NBA playoffs are underway, sort of. Much more interesting to us. And by the way, we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com, we're going to help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast-free shipping, free road hazard protection, over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Uh, Of much more interest to us, especially with one Mr. Bucky Brooks on this show, is the upcoming NFL draft, which is 12 days away. So, Bucky... Pull back the curtain. You work for organizations when it comes to the big day, the NFL draft. What's going on right now with less than two weeks to go? Are you just on the phone with every team out there trying to get deals done? Are you going over the board over and over again? Every team has their own board at the upcoming draft. What's actually happening as we are less than two weeks away from the big start of this NFL draft? Well, this week coming up is a big week. It's a big week because all the medicals and the background stuff is all done, meaning the NFL security reports are brought back. Uh, everyone is sitting in there. And so you get all the all the dirt on everybody. You know exactly who's who and what's what. And so you can really cement the board. And so this year last, what we call what the final arguments, right? If this was court, it's your opportunity to kind of argue for your players, stand on the table for your players to make sure that your voice is heard when it comes to some of the players that you like, some of the guys that you think – will ultimately be players and key contributors on your team. And then simultaneously, you're also going through scenarios. Well, if, you know, the Panthers take Bryce Young here and then the Texans don't take a quarterback, 
what do we think that looks like? How would that impact us? Do we need to get up in range to get the player that we've designated as our guy? So you're throwing through a bunch of different exercises to try and get yourself ready for what could happen on Thursday night because you want to be prepared. You want to be able to have a calm mind. You want to have like rational thoughts in terms of hey, everything that we've talked about. We've already gone through it. So now we feel confident about the move that we're making on draft night. Yeah, and when you te- when you see teams move up in the draft, let's say like the Packers did with Jordan Love, right? You're like, well, why would they do that? Well, one, they really liked him and they wanted him, uh, and they were fearful that if they waited, he'd be gone. And so, as you said, unless you're sitting there with the number one overall pick in the draft, that's the only secure spot in the draft. That's the only one. You you don't have to worry about anybody else. You have a choice of every single player in the country. But from that point on, not only do you have to get your own board ready, you have to start the guessing game of what everyone else is doing. Um, and 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 by the way, when we 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 because so much noise comes out, you know, there there's seeds planted in the media to release stories by certain organizations. That's right, media people. There are house guys out there. You know who you are, uh, and they, and it's a trade off. I know this because I worked with the media as a PR guy in the NFL. It's a trade off, right? You it will it will give you something, you give us something, it, it, and it works with every single NFL team. So stories are floated out there. Hey, they really like this guy or this guy, and then you have to figure out all right what is the truth and what is just noise how do you go about that yes yeah, hard like what you're trying to do is you're trying to connect the dots you're trying to look for common denominators when it comes to all of this information and right now it's lying season everyone is lying no one knows anything really uh some of the stuff that people deliberately put out there is nonsense to get you off the descent and so what you have to do is you have to go back and look at where your board was beginning of january Now look at where it is now. Why has there been so much movement, if any? Can we justify the movement that is taking place? If not, we need to make sure we get the board back to looking closer like January because you want to make sure that you're evaluating guys off of how they played, not how they worked out and how they did all the other song and dance stuff leading up to the draft. All right, let's go. Uh, I'm going to get into a few of the divisions today. Uh, as uh, also later on, Adam Kaplan will be joining us. The AFC West, think about a year ago at this time. So the Chiefs were obviously the team to beat in the AFC West, and of course it turned out to be a Super Bowl winning season for them. The Chargers really, to me, went idle. Uh, They did sneak into the playoffs. They didn't beat any winning teams all season long, and then they were on the losing end of one of the most catastrophic collapses in playoff history. The Raiders took a mighty step backwards from playoff team to also ran and then jettisoned their quarterback. And then the Broncos, everybody was loving the Broncos after the big deal to acquire Russell Wilson. And they were an absolute catastrophe. I want to start with the Denver Broncos in this draft because they don't have a first round pick. They don't have a second round pick. They gave those two picks up to get Russell Wilson. So with two-thirds, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth, they have very limited, only five picks in this draft. What do you think the Broncos do? Do you, do you couple those two threes to try to move up? What exactly can a team do in a draft when they don't have a first or second-round pick? I mean, I think you want to be patient. I think you want to wait and see um, what is available to you. You may not be able to get up there. You can always trade future compensation. So, for instance, if you want – um, to move into the second round, you may have to give up next year's 
first round and those things. So there are ways for you to play it forward to kind of split off some of the picks that you have to kind of move up in rounds. But a lot of it really depends on how good do you feel about where your roster is now based on the moves that you made with free agency? What are the pressing needs on the team? And do the needs line up with supply and demand in terms of what prospects are the strong prospects in this class? And so you hope that it matches, but if it doesn't, you don't do anything crazy. You know that you always have the opportunity after the draft to continue to add veterans, veteran free agents you can add. You can continue to develop the team on the practice field and then just kind of see where you are as you get into the season. Let me ask you this, because we hear this a lot about best player available. In other words, you get to your pick, you look at your board, regardless of position, we're going to take this guy versus filling a position need. Does that balance out or is one more prevalent than the other? It should balance out. And if more people followed uh, or stuck to that premise, taking the best player available, the teams would be better because you can never go wrong accumulating good football players. Where you mess up is when you reach for someone who's not worthy of being taken in the round that you draft him in. Because when you draft a guy early, there comes a level of expectation that they're going to be something uh, impactful. They're going to do it. And so if you pull the trigger too soon, now you're left disappointed because you're drafting someone and asking them to do something that they're certainly not capable of being able to do. All right, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, very disappointing season. They will have a new quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo will take over as the QB of the Raiders. Now, unlike the Broncos, who only have five picks in this draft, the Raiders have, get this, 12. They have a first, a second, two-thirds, a fourth, three-fifths, two-sixths, and two-sevenths. When you have seven picks in the last three rounds, what's the idea of picking up all those picks? What can you do when you have three-fifths, two-sixths, and two-sevenths? You can move those up. You can move, You can swap those out to move up in rounds. Uh, you also can do like Jimmy Johnson would say, hey, you want a bunch of as many draft picks as you have because they're all like coin flips. No one knows exactly what a player is going to be in the National Football League. So you're better served to just bring in as many as you can, throw them out there and see which ones stick. All right. So the Raiders have the seventh overall pick in this draft. I looked at your latest mock draft. You have them going defense. Where do you stand with the Raiders and that number seven pick? Yeah, I still think defense is the move. That's the that's the play because this this is a team that has been terrible on defense the last couple of years. You have Chandler Jones and uh, Max Crosby, but you need someone on the interior that can make it happen, that can disrupt and really dominate at the point of attack. And so they're certainly having their eyes on uh, a couple of interior defensive linemen that can help them right now. Uh, they can always go back to the secondary. Can't get enough corners that can play, enough slot defenders that can play, even safety help. So somewhere either in the front line or somewhere in the back end, that's where the Raiders have to make a move. Let me ask you this with the Raiders. So their second-round pick's number 38. I don't know if this guy's name would be there, but if Hennon Hooker falls down to that level, would he be a good pick for the Raiders? Absolutely. He'd be a perfect pick. Um, he he has the IQ, the arm talent to play the game the way that Josh McDaniels wants to play it from the pocket. He also is an experienced player, having been a fifth-year player uh, at Tennessee, three years at Virginia Tech, two years at Tennessee, very productive player. And so he checks off a lot of boxes in terms of what Josh McDaniels and that staff typically looks for in a quarterback. Now is how long will it be until he's ready to fully 
return to action. And if he's ready to return to action, does that mean he's playing in 2023 or are we better served to wait to 2024? Regardless, he's a talented prospect, one that the Raiders certainly have to keep an eye on. I love this music, Sam. I love this music. By the way, Sam just ate an entire pizza by himself. Unbelievable. Yes. Hungry today. Just because yes. it's free, Sam, doesn't mean you have to eat the whole thing. I, I stopped myself, all right? I, you I've finally stopped. eating. All right, well, I've the music consuming. is me, uh, We're halfway home. On the other side, we are covering the AFC West right now. Bucky Brooks, he is doing more research than anybody. He is the expert. The cl- uh, Chargers are on the clock. Chargers on the clock. Which way do the L.A. Chargers go? Keep it right here. This is Fox Sports Saturday. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Oh, yeah. Now, what was interesting about that scream that I laid out, and by the way, I was way off mic consistency sam i i saw the the meter there it was very consistent throughout and yes i am available if you need a screamer and all i'm asking for is you know floor seats for whatever nba playoff game you got going on no, that was very good steve and uh very i will control of your pitch i will there. rattle any i if i did that even once though i mean i'd be thrown out of the building so it's your right as a Unlike fan a to girl, be annoying, you know? you know. Yeah, so she she can get away with it. I would not. Uh, welcome back. This is Fox Sports Saturday. We are live from the TireRack.com studios. We are getting ready for the NFL draft, which, of course, is now 12 days away. And we have started with the AFC West. We've already put the uh, Broncos with their limited draft to bed. Raiders have some very interesting picks, 12 picks in all. We move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. Tom Telesco does not trade draft picks. In fact, if you look at the Chargers' recent draft, they basically have their own picks every single year. This this is my favorite this year, though. So when they made the deal with the Bears to get Khalil Mack, they traded a second-round pick and then a future sixth-round pick. Well, guess what? That pick that they traded to the Bears, they acquired it back. 
<laughs> for a couple of sevens. So the Chargers have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. What what do you make of that Tom Telesco theory that, you know what, we don't have to get tricky and add picks or subtract picks. We'll just sit where we are and make our picks as they are. What do you think of that philosophy? You know, it's funny. Um, there's so many different ways you can go about the draft and different ways that you can think about kind of building this thing out. I think the main thing, Harmon, regardless of like philosophy and those things, the number one thing that you got to do is make sure you select good players. Like, and when I mean good players, I'm not trying to open simplify what it is, but I mean good players that have that have done it over time that you've seen do it against big time competition that have the prototypical dimensions that you look for that have traditionally played over time. To me, that's what it's about. All the fancy stuff and all that other stuff. It really comes down to taking good players that played in big programs that understand what the mission is. And so, um, look, I like some of the alternate means of being able to build a team. But to me, man, it's, it's very simple. It's like Warren Buffett when it comes to in, investing brand names, products that you know about, that there's an easy comfortability in knowing what you're getting. That's how I would approach the draft. That's how I would always go about it. Tom Telesco can thank his friendship with uh, John Spanos, who is the president of football operations. Yeah, Spanos. He is the son of the owner. Uh, he runs uh, oversees the football side of the franchise. Uh, because when you think about it, 10 years on the job, you're on the third head coach that you've selected. You've won zero division titles. You've been in the playoffs three times, and your record is two and three in the postseason. Most general managers would not survive. 10 years with that resume, but Tom Telesco has. Now, if you look at Mike McCoy's first hire, two winning seasons followed by two losing seasons. Anthony Lynn, two winning seasons followed by two losing seasons. And now Brandon Staley, two winning seasons. How much can the Chargers do in this draft to prevent the idea of history repeating itself and this team going off the cliff in 2023? Well, to be a champion, you have to get your heart broken a little bit. And that loss to the Jaguars in the postseason was certainly devastating, but there's some lessons that come out of it. Uh, Learning how to finish it up, meaning they have to learn how to win these playoff games in terms of style of play, running the football, running it out, managing the game, understanding how the little things matter, whether it's drop passes or penalties or blown assignments, those things matter. And they're magnified in the postseason. You don't get comfortable winning in the postseason until you start winning in the postseason. And so you got to reach the tournament. You have to play in the tournament. You have to get comfortable with the, the one and done nature of the tournament before you can go win it. So defense was a focus this past offseason as they signed a lot of free agents defensively. I didn't see a whole lot of improvement in that defense. Uh, so the Chargers have the 21st overall pick. Let's talk about Austin Eckler for a second here, who's obviously been one of the most productive running backs, was a tremendous find as an undrafted rookie, uh, and has far exceeded any expectations during his career with the Chargers. But it doesn't seem like they're ready to give him any kind of long-term deal. Um could this be a running back? I mean, everyone keeps talking about Bijan Robinson. Is it possible that he would not be available at 21? Is he the kind of guy they could target? I remember years ago, Tom Telesco, I say he doesn't make moves on the draft. He did to get Melvin Gordon back on the day. He moved up in that draft to get Melvin Gordon. Do you think that they could be looking at Bijan Robinson and maybe thinking of a deal to try to move up to get him? 
Absolutely. Um, first, then we'll address the Austin Eckler situation. Uh, Austin Eckler, I think, is entering year seven. Um, you don't extend big-time contracts, long-term contracts to guys that are entering their seventh year. He's gotten two contracts. He had his rookie deal, then he signed a big big contract after that. Uh, for the most part, when you're looking at the running back position, that's the max. Maybe they get two, but anything beyond that, you're not going to get a return on the investment, regardless of how he plays and his skill set and those things. That brings us to this point, which is now 21. Um, if a talented running back like Bijan Robinson is there, man, you hand him the card, you move on because he is an every down back. Uh, running game, passing game, can do it, especially with the ball in his hands. Uh, I've likened him to like a little bigger version of LaDainian Thomason when he was doing his thing down with the Chargers down in San Diego. And so if you have an opportunity to get a bigger, faster, stronger version at running back, you do that. But in a perfect world, you would have B. John Robinson and Austin Eckler. You don't necessarily want to swap it out one for one. Yeah, I remember last time we seen a running back get this kind of commotion early in the draft was Todd Gurley, and that was coming off a big injury. Rams took him 10th overall, and let's put it this way, they don't get to that first Super Bowl uh, under Sean McVay without Todd Gurley, who for at least a couple of years was the dominant back in the NFL all-around back. So let's let's talk about B. John Robinson because we're, we're hearing a lot about him right now. Where is he? Is he a potential top 10 pick, top 15 pick? How far will he drop? Where, where do you project him number-wise going in this draft? Ooh, it's so tough, man, because he could go as high as 10 to the Philadelphia Eagles, but Howie Roseman typically stays away from running backs uh, like that. He could go uh, to the New England Patriots at 14 because they've haven't, they, they could use like that old-school workhorse back like they had uh, in Corey Dillon, like they had in Curtis Martin. Like that's kind of the formula and the recipe for them to have their greatest success when they can run the ball and run it with a big time uh, runner. And then, I mean, look, there are going to be a bunch of other guys that are really, but, but to me, I think it just has to be really simple. Bang it. You want a big runner to make sure that you can control the game like you want it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the Chiefs. Uh, you have the last pick in the first round. By the way, only 31 picks, so the Dolphins had to forfeit their first-round pick. So when you're the Chiefs, you won two Super Bowls, and four, you've been to three Super Bowls. I mean, this team obviously has proven they have the best quarterback in this league. Uh, and, yes, he is the best quarterback in the league. He's proven it, no question about that. How do you handle that if you're the Chiefs? I mean, again, best player available. Do they have any pressing needs going into this 2023 draft? I think we just lost Bucky. All right. Uh, I, I, I heard a click, which is never a good sign. <laughs> we will reconnect with uh, Bucky Brooks there. Bucky's on the road, so we'll get a little more with Bucky. But as far as the Chiefs are concerned, they have the 31st overall pick. We'll look at some of their draft choices this year. The Chiefs are uh, first, second, third, two fourths, a fifth, couple sixths, couple sevenths. So they have a lot of uh, extra picks in this uh, draft. Uh, and we'll hear from Bucky coming up on the other side of what he has to say about that. All right, let's uh, let's get uh, a little early action here. By the way, we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. All right, let's find out what is trending right now as we will reconnect with Bucky and... 
Quinn. Oh, Bucky. I know you're on the edge of your seat with this Celtics-Hawks oh. game. Although I'm looking at the score. Hawks are making a run They here. are. They're trying. They were down by 30 at halftime. Now they're only down by 19. They mm. did outscore the Celtics in the third quarter, 31-20. to 20. Now Jason Tatum hasn't played as much in the second half. Uh, he did have 21 points already and seven rebounds. Trey Young is not shooting great from the field. He is 5 of 17. Yeah. yeah, that's no bueno. He's got 16 points and 7 assists, but it really has been all Boston this entire game. The 76ers made it interesting for a little bit. Well, it was the Nets who made it interesting, and the 76ers were like, forget it. We need to beat these guys, and they did by 20 points. 121 to 101 was the final score, hitting 21 three-pointers. James Harden had 7 of those three-pointers for a total of 23 points and 13 assists. A little double-double in Major League Baseball. The Giants and the Tigers went to 11 innings. And guess who still got it? Miggy. Everybody on their feet here at Comerica Park. Cabrera waiting on a 2-2. On the way. Swinging a ground ball up the middle. Into center field. Base hit. Tigers win. Torkelson crosses home. And the dugout horse out to first base to mob Miguel Cabrera. How about it? Tigers Radio Network on the call. The 39-year-old walks it off with the single. And the Tigers, who were down by five runs, came out on top 7-6. to six. The Yankees did take down the Twins 6-1. to one. The Pirates and the Cardinals went to also 10 innings. And it was the Pirates who came out on top 6-3 in St. Louis. The Orioles and the White Sox are right now in the bottom of the 10th inning, tied at 6 apiece. Blue Jays still on top of the Rays, 5-2, bottom of the 8th. The Brewers and the Padres tied, bottom of the 4th, 3 a piece and the Angels have just lost the lead. The Red Sox are now on top 5-4, bottom of the fourth inning, but Mike Trout did record his 300th career double-double in this game and the A's are beating the Mets 2-1, top of the sixth. Diamondbacks up on the Marlins, 1-0 bottom of the fifth and the Reds have extended their lead over the Phillies 5-0. They're about to start the fifth inning. Whew. Back to you. All right, uh, Monty, thank you very much. By yeah. the way, you mentioned uh, Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. This is This is what happens, uh, Bucky, when you sign a superstar, first ballot Hall of mm-hmm. Famer like Miguel Cabrera to a long-term deal. Uh, he is still making $32 million this year. And the last time that he was really an elite player was 2016. Oof. When he was, you know, like, ago, huh? I mean, you know, from from the beginning when he first showed up with the Marlins all the way through 2016, he got MVP votes every single year. I mean, that's that's remarkable when you think about it. 14 consecutive years he showed up on some MVP ballots, but last couple of years, 256, 254, he only had five home runs last year in 112 games. He's hitting 207, but you're paying him $32 million. So it's like he got to play and – and people say, well, why doesn't he retire? I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm getting all that money. $32 million. Oh. By the way, <laughs> he has made, he has made to date, just in salary, $400 million. It's mm. a lot of money. $400 million. Should be able to live off that. Um, all right, just uh, wrapping up with the Chiefs. By the way, apparently uh, Andy Reid was so nervous to hear what you had to say about the Chiefs draft, uh, he pulled the plug on you. 
Um, so uh, I didn't think the Chiefs were all that controversial. But again, you know, when you when you're sitting there, you've won the Super Bowl, you have the last pick in the first round. Uh, they got some picks on the back end, some multiple picks. Maybe they can move some of the picks around. But do the Chiefs have any specific needs right now that they need to address in this draft? Uh, I mean, they can always fortify their front line. They're losing Frank Clark, so they need another pass rusher. Even though they took George Karloftis a year ago, you can never have enough pass rushers. You know, to be honest, when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs arrived at the Super Bowl a year too early. Last year, they got rid of Tyreek Hill. Um, They played with a bunch of, I mean, I guess like misfits and cast-offs. Uh, you think about MVS, Marquez Valdez, Scantling coming over, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, on defense, they played with a bunch of newbies in the secondary, and they won the Super Bowl. Well, now when you play with all those young players, they grow up. They're even bigger and better. They should be a better version of the Chiefs this year than last year. So now we talked about drafting best player available. The Kansas City Chiefs literally have the luxury of being able to do that. They would like to get an edge rusher or two, but uh, there's not a lot of pressure on them to go and feel needs. They can just take good players and kind of figure out a way they fit once they get them all in the building. All right, I want to make a quick pivot right now to the NFC West. Uh, Another division that a year ago, there was a lot of buzz and nothing really went as planned in the NFC West. Uh, No one, no one could have predicted the Seahawks season. Most people, including yours, truly thought that they would be battling for worst team in the league. Meanwhile, the defending Super Bowl champions go off the cliff. So the question is, can they rebound from that? Uh, The Arizona Cardinals, obviously, another team that had a very disappointing season. I want to start with with those Arizona Cardinals because you have a new coach in Jonathan Gannon. I don't know much about this guy other than the fact that uh, he comes over from the Eagles and had a a, a pretty good run there uh, all the way to the Super Bowl. But um, they, they get rid of Cliff Kingsbury, who was an offensive-minded guy. You bring in a defensive guy to be your new head coach. Uh, is that a precursor looking for Arizona? By the way, they have a first, a second, a couple of thirds uh, in this draft. Is there going to be a different focus on this team? Because it's all been about Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury. Now you got Gannon coming in as a defensive guy. Are we going to see a, a different personality for this Arizona Cardinals team moving forward? Uh, maybe. I mean, I think you can, I mean, obviously it's going to change because Cliff Kingsbury was the coach there. Um, he was a little more laid back. Jonathan Gannon has some, some energy to him, some bite to him. You have a new general manager, Monty Ossenfort, who probably wants to bring in a different kind of player in terms of character wise, personality wise. And so, yeah, you'll see a difference. I don't know how much better they will be. I think a lot of it depends on how they build the offense around Kyler Murray, uh, when Kyler Murray is healthy and available to return. And so a lot of it hinges on that. But this is a team that was in desperate need of a reset. They're going to have to kind of hit the button, blow it up for a little bit, and see if they can build it back up. And I wouldn't expect them to be a team that's vying for a playoff berth, but maybe, uh, just maybe, they, they kind of find a way to figure it out under Jonathan Gannon. It'll be interesting because Jonathan Gannon is a young head coach. His first job, how does he handle uh, that leadership situation when it comes to leading the entire team as opposed to just a defense? There's some there will be some 
growing pains, how quickly he adapts and adjusts to the new role, new responsibilities could ultimately determine how well they do this year. All right. We know their phone has been ringing off the hook with that number three overall pick. And again, with Gannon being a defensive guy, I don't know how he feels about Will Anderson Jr., but uh, most most defensive coaches would kill to have the opportunity to uh, have this kind of young talent on your team. What do you think is going on with the Cardinals right now with that third overall pick? Are they seriously considering offers out there? What would it take for them to give up the third overall pick? Or should they hang on to it and go defense with that third overall pick? Uh, I mean, I, I think they have to kind of make that decision depending upon what happens in front of them at two. A lot of it hinges on the Houston Texans and what decision they make, whether they take Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, respectively. If they take, if they bypass the quarterback completely and take a defender, well, now, the, the look, the, the spot is open for business because you may have people clamoring to get up top because one of the top two quarterbacks that no one expected to be at three could be available at three. Um, it's, it's just one of those situations where you might Austin Ford, you want to kind of have a plan in place uh, that deals with all of the scenarios, and then you let the scenarios unfold in front of you, then you make the best decision for the franchise after that. Last year, Pete Carroll finished ninth in the voting for NFL Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. Ninth. Are you yeah. kidding me? The Seattle Seahawks were a team that seemed destined to target this 2023 draft to get one of the first couple of picks in order to get a quarterback for the future. And then Geno Smith showed up and had a Pro Bowl season, and suddenly their focus is a little different. So Seattle gets into the postseason, and you talk about a team rich with picks. Seattle has two ones, two twos. Mm. They have four picks in the first 52, starting with that fifth overall pick. At number 20 as well. So you're the Seahawks. You have a surprise season. One, are you secure with Geno Smith? Because when you're talking about the fifth overall pick in the draft, there will be quarterbacks on the board that potentially could be the quarterback of the future. Or do you like, no, we're good. We're good with Geno. For the near future, we can go in a different direction How do you think the Seahawks are going to handle the riches they have available to them potentially in this draft? Well, I think they're going to handle it marvelously. Uh, this is one of the situations that you live for if you're a general manager, a team builder. Your team is good enough to get into the postseason, but now you have enough capital to significantly improve upon what they were able to do last year. You have the fifth overall pick, so you can go and get a beefy defender, uh, one that can d- be disruptive at the point of attack, particularly if Jalen Carter is not going to be one of the top four picks. The Seattle Seahawks need a pounce on Jalen Carter. And then you have an opportunity at 20 to go back and maybe get a wide receiver, another playmaker to kind of flesh out and fill out that lineup card around Geno Smith. You get those kinds of weapons, the offense will continue to flourish. And then after that, it's just about taking the best player available at each of those spots. This is a team that is traditionally drafted well when everything was locked in and solid, meaning they knew exactly what system they were fitting the players into and they had a clear understanding of what kind of characters were coming into the room. They get back to that yeah, this Seattle Seahawks team can be tough. It can be dangerous. They're one of the teams that could come on the NFC next year. So Jalen Carter is sitting there at number five. Is that a good pick for Seattle? Uh, it's a no-brainer. No-brainer. You take him, you put him in the middle of the defense. He's tucked away. He's a opposite part of the country from Georgia. Yeah, this is not an issue at all. Take him. 
And I saw in your latest mock draft the potential of Anthony Richardson falling to number 20. If he's on the board and near the Seahawks, do you take him? I think you have to have a serious discussion about that. The reason why is because you have a quarterback already in Geno Smith. There's no pressure in putting Anthony Richardson on the field. And so if Anthony Richardson comes in, he works hard maybe in 2024 or 2025, he's ready to be your guy. And by the way, if you think about it, wouldn't Geno be the perfect mentor for a young guy like that who obviously has things to work on, starting with accuracy? Uh, Geno, one of the most accurate passers, in fact, was the most accurate passer in the NFL. But Geno's another guy that could sort of sit with a young quarterback saying, take your time. Take your time. Don't feel any urgency to have to have an immediate impact. Look at me. You know, he waited all these years to finally get the right opportunity and the right system, right team. Uh, look where Geno Smith is today. All right, we're halfway home on the NFC West. On the other side, the Rams. Are they a draft away from rebounding from their disastrous 2022 season? And which way will the 49ers go? Are they set at quarterback? We got it all for you. This is Fox Sports Saturday. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Steve Harbin and Bucky Brooks. This is Fox Sports Saturday. And we are here in the TireRack.com studios. We're doing some NFL draft talk as well. We should. We're less than two weeks away, so we got a lot of ground to cover. We went AFC West a little bit earlier with Bucky. Now we've been focusing on the NFC West. We put to bed the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks. Now it's time to turn our attention to a team that won the Super Bowl just two seasons ago. And I don't know about you, Bucky. It seems like 10 years ago. Um, the Rams don't have a first round pick. They have a second, two-thirds, three-fives, three-sixes, two-sevenths. So they have a lot of picks on the back side. But let's just get back to the idea, because a lot of people I've talked to, I don't know if you uh, agree with this, saying forget about last year. Complete aberration. The Rams will be right back in the mix in 2023. Do you believe that? No, I don't believe that. 
I don't believe they're going to be right back in the mix. They're losing uh, good players. They're uh, purging the roster. So it's not going to be a better team than it was last year. We still don't know what version of Matthew Stafford we're going to see when he comes back. So, no, nah, this won't be a better thing. I give Sean McVay credit for hanging in there. I thought he was gone. I thought he was going to kind of walk away from the burning building. But we'll see. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of work to do. Uh, to get this team up and going, and we'll see if they have the wherewithal to make it happen. All right, offensive line, obviously a big question mark for the Rams right now. Uh, Again, you have no first, you have a second, two-thirds, no fourth. So you only have three picks in the first 166 picks. What kind of damage can you do? Can he he get anything done through the draft, or are they going to have to go elsewhere to try to fill some of the gaping holes that this team obviously has right now? I mean, it's so tough because there's so many holes for this team to fill. Um, It's a team that has become very pedestrian on offense. A lot of that is due to the offensive line. Some of that is also due to uh, the rest of the league kind of catching up on the version of the Rams offense with Matthew Stafford, at quarterback. It's very different than the version that we saw previously when they had Jerry Goff at quarterback. Um, And so can they figure out a way to kind of get it right? Um I think you have to add the offensive line, fix that part of it. You still need some weapons on the perimeter to support uh, Cooper Cup. And then defensively, uh, you got to upgrade the secondary. You lost Taylor Rapp. You lost Jalen Ramsey. Uh, you need to continue to find a way to be able to cover people. And so there's a lot of work to do, and we'll see if they can get it done. 49ers are another team that have a very, very bizarre draft. They have no one. They have no two. They have three back-end third-round picks. Though those bonus picks, they picked up three of those. They have three-fifths, and they have four-sevenths. So they're going to be sitting here. What happens when you don't have a first- or second-round pick? We've had a couple of teams already like this. Uh, you got those three picks at the end of the third round, the compensatory picks. What do you do with the picks like that? Well, I mean, you still have a lot of flexibility. Uh, they have a ton of third-round picks. Now, some of that ironically, is because they've done such a good job of um, having guys hired away from their program. And so they've been able to get bonus picks for their diversity hires and those things. What you would like to do is take some of those third-round picks, if there's a player or two that you identify uh, early on day two, in the second round, or maybe the top of the third, you package some of those to be able to move up in the round uh, to get a player that you want. But really, you want to observe and just kind of let it fall to you. And this isn't a bad draft for the Niners to have the kind of currency that they have when it comes to the draft. There are only about 15 to 18 first-round picks uh, that would be on everybody's board. The rest of the guys are good players. I wouldn't necessarily say that they are great prospects that are worthy of being considered blue chippers or stars. And so what you want to do is you want to make sure you identify the guys that are fits for your team, and those guys may be different, viewed differently by other teams. And if they fall in range and you really want them, they're gotta-have-it guys, then you can trade off some of those third-round picks to get in a situation to get one of your gotta-have-it players. Save quarterback, I can safely say, I believe, that there isn't a better roster. There might be equals with no better roster than the 49ers as far as impact guys on both sides of the football. But quarterback is still the question. We talk about Brock Purdy, this breakout star a year ago. Uh, We don't know his availability early on. Trey Lance, obviously, they used a lot of draft capital, believing he could take Kyle Shanahan's offense to the next level. And then you have Sam Darnold. 
what what were your thoughts about Darno coming out of USC? He was a turnover machine, but almost everyone agreed at the time that he had the best talent of any quarterback in that draft. Mayfield ended up number one. Darno goes three to the Jets. But is there still enough in Darnold to say one more kick of the tires with him? I mean, there's still enough. Normally, when you're a first-round pick, you get about three bites a day apple before people determine whether you can or can't play. Sam Darnold is now on his third team, first the Jets, then the, pa- the Panthers, and now the 49ers. Uh, Kyle Shanahan has been swing- singing his virtues, talking about how good he is and what he can bring and all those things. So you get a legitimate shot, but then it's on Sam Darnold to prove to people that he can play to the level that he was drafted at. Now, I wouldn't hold out hope that he's going to play like the second or third round third pick in the draft, but maybe in that situation where he's surrounded by an A-level support staff, he's playing in a system that makes it very, very easy for the quarterback, maybe Sam Darnold can shine there, but we'll see because, look, it's loaded. Brock Purdy's dealing with an injury, but you got Trey Lance and Sam Darnold competing, both guys that have been disappointing to this stage. Let's see which one can win. Isn't that ironic that you have two quarterbacks that were, you know, top three picks in the NFL draft, and then you have a guy that last pick in the draft, and he's your go-to guy? I mean, what, I mean, does does that speak as much about Shanahan's offense as anything else? Why a guy like Brock Purdy was so effective? Yes, and here's the thing: Brock Purdy only played seven games, so we got to see if it's real and sustainable. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll get more opinions about the upcoming NFL draft. Adam Kaplan, our NFL insider, will join us. This is Fox Sports Saturday. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Rolling along here on another big Saturday. We got the NBA playoffs underway. And we got that NFL draft coming up in a couple of weeks. It's also Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball. Everyone wearing 
number 42. Yeah, I love seeing it. By the way, we're broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com. We're going to help get you there. And unmatched selection, fast-free shipping, free road hazard protection. Over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. We're going to be joined by our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, Adam Kaplan, is going to join us in about 15 minutes. Um, I did want to get to this uh, commander's sale. And by the way, uh, Bucky, you have made it clear whatever ownership group does buy this franchise needs mm-hmm. to change the name. Like you, you're, you're not a fan of the commanders. Was it better when they were just the Washington football team? Yes, it was much better. It was much better. They can change the name. They can change the uniforms. Uh, there's so much history and legacy in those old uniforms. Um, they don't have to be cartoonish. You talk about one of the historic franchises in the National Football League. And I know the Dan Snyder era has kind of tainted that. But you have to remember, like, the greatness of the Washington franchise. And so, look, man, go back to the Washington football team. Go back to things that are more reminiscent of the way the old uniform looked. That's what those fans in that, that that city, that's what they're about. Like, no one really takes the commander seriously in terms of that nickname and moniker. By the way, to say that Daniel Snyder tainted uh, this Washington franchise is like saying the Titanic sprung a leak. Um, I mean, th- nice. This guy yes. is a disaster beyond belief. You know, I, I, I'm so interested in people like Daniel Snyder. Like, what makes a guy like this tick? He's a completely self-made guy. You know, his whole background from the time he was a little kid, he was on a mission to make money, right? I mean, some people have a purpose in life, and it was clear that Snyder's purpose from a very early stage in his life was to find ways to make money, and he made it on his own. And back in 1999, he purchases the uh, then Redskins uh, from the uh, state of Jack Kent Cook, who had, had passed away for $800 million. And in all these years, almost a quarter century since he took over ownership of this franchise, they're 57 games below 500. This is a franchise, by the way, that had won three Super Bowls prior to his arrival. And two playoff game wins. Two, including his first year when basically it was a team that he inherited, despite the fact that he hired what? Marty Schottenheimer, Steve Spurrier, Mike Shanahan. He brought back Joe Gibbs. I mean, he's tried everything to be successful in terms of on the field. But we always talk about the success or failures of franchises beginning at the top. The question is, whoever ends up with this franchise, you talked about changing the name, changing the team colors. I mean, how do, how do you start the rebuilding process? Because it's not just on the field that's a problem. This is uh, an organization that is toxic throughout and has been throughout this long tenure of Daniel Snyder as the owner. How do you flush all of that out and restart a franchise and then get them competitive again. Again, not just on the field, but in terms of what's coming out of their front office and their management uh, to get back on track with the elite teams in this league. You got to have the organizational alignment from top to bottom. Everyone has to be on the same page. Everyone has to have the same set of values and everyone has to be um, held accountable for upholding those values. So once you get that in line in terms of we want to be a first-class organization, we have the right people, we have the right people to do the right things and all of that. Then it's about trying to figure out what the football product should look like. How much are we going to invest in the team? Is is winning important for us? Are we really willing to 
put together a championship product and then it's putting the pressure on the coaches and the general manager in the front office to make those things happen. And so it has to be like one singular voice and all that. And so I think it's just like when people take over any business, I think the new ownership group has to determine what it is they want their franchise to represent. And they have to convey that message to the, to the, leaders, the front office uh, members and the coaching staff. This is what we want this team to look like. This is how we want to operate. Uh, Here are the expectations. And when you put those things out there, then you can begin to work yourself back to being a respectable franchise because everyone knows exactly where we're going, what we're shooting for, and this is how we're going to get it done. What do you do with Ron Rivera? I mean, obviously he's been there for three seasons. Um, not much to speak of. They've been pretty much in lateral over the last uh, three years. Uh, when you look over his coaching career, uh, including his nine seasons in Carolina, there's a little, you know, he. he I'm counting mm-hmm. him up. He's had exactly three three winning seasons in his entire coaching career. Um, people love his character. Obviously, he's gone through some personal things with his cancer, um, mm-hmm. but. Is he the right guy with new ownership to lead this team forward, or do you clean house completely and start all over again? Some people will say you clean house immediately. You get your own guys because it's your team. You want to make sure that you have the people that you want in place. Now, because there's a bit of a change and because of where we are right now in the offseason, he has to understand it's a performance-based business. If he performs, if the team performs under his leadership this year, then you continue on with that. But if not, yeah, you, you have to know. And so everyone in that building knows whenever there's change, everyone has to sit up a little straighter because they know that everyone is being evaluated. And so he's been evaluated. He knows that everyone who understands when you have an ownership change, things tend to change. And so they have to be at their best. It means crushing the draft, making sure they have a draft that people talk about. But not only is it talked about, but you can see it when the team takes the field in the fall. This has to be a great year for the commanders on the field, for everyone in that building to continue to hold on to the responsibilities and roles that they currently have. I was in Houston when the NFL owners got together to vote on the situation of the two proposals moving forward as far as a potential Rams move to Los Angeles or the Raiders and the Chargers sharing uh, an L.A. residence. And any time, and the only other time I think I was at an NFL owners meeting was back in 1999 when they were uh, awarding the final uh, expansion franchise. Uh, that was back when the Texans uh, became uh, a, a projected future franchise. When, when you see these owners, these billionaire owners all together, and I'll never get the vote on the situation with the Los Angeles market, outside of the hotel were these multiple limos. They wanted to get out of there. It was projected to be a two-day deal, but it was pretty clear we're going to get this deal done now. The reason I mention this is Jeff Bezos. So you have Jeff Bezos, who obviously is one of the wealthiest people in the world, uh, the head of Amazon, and they seem disappointed that a guy like Bezos didn't look at $6 billion and say, I mean, he has enough money to buy every team in the league if he wanted to, um, that he wouldn't maybe up the ante a little more. Because understand this, a $6 billion purchase price for the Washington Commanders raises the value of every team around the NFL. So the more money infused into these expansion franchises, well over $4 billion for the Broncos and their sale, and now $6 billion and counting with the Commanders, raises everybody's bar. But do you think the NFL owners would be comfortable with a guy like Bezos in the room 
who could look around this room and say, literally, I could buy every one of your franchises, all of them, <laughs> and without a blink of an eye. Um, would that be a comfortable situation? You've been around these owners. You've been to owners' meetings, Buck. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I don't think it would be a major issue. He, If Bezos decided that he wanted to buy the team, bought the team, uh, he certainly would be welcome into the club. Um, I don't think they're running around counting each other's money, but he certainly has the big joker in space terms when it comes to the amount of money that he's made and those things. Um, yeah, so no, nah, they, they were welcoming man. If you can do the right things. I think the, the thing with Daniel Snyder being kind of punted out, it was just all of the other stuff that kind of came along with it, the allegations and then the funny money. When it got to the point where they were talking about cooking the books and that stuff, that's when the ownership was like, hey, man, he has to go because that's that began to affect their pockets. And so as long as Bezos has the money and does what he's supposed to do, yeah, they certainly would welcome him in. Because I remember that day down in Houston. This was very interesting because Stan Kroenke, you have to understand, his wife is part of the Walton family, Walmart. So he had money, but his wife has money. Mm-hmm. And so the report was, and I remember talking to Amy Trask, and when she heard that they actually had a silent vote or like, you know, she said the only time the owners ever get together where there's not just a show of hands on a vote is when they're voting for a Super Bowl site or voting on a new commissioner. And yet what Mm -hmm. happened that year was – is they had a vote, and apparently it was in favor of the Chargers and the Raiders sharing the stadium as opposed to the Rams moving to Inglewood. That was the first vote, at which point, allegedly, uh, Jerry Jones, who was an ally of Kroenke, got up and reminded everyone, because Kroenke basically said, "I will, I will sue your pants off if you don't let me make this move. And Jerry Jones reminded everybody he has the money to do it. So they went to a silent vote. And mm-hmm. guess what happened? Stan Kroenke got it. Although he had to have taken a second team. That was part of it. But, I mean, we're when we're talking about this kind of money, and not everybody in that room's equal, say, well, they're all billionaires. Ah. Yeah, the different kind of billionaires. Uh, yeah, different a, kind of, you have, different you, kind of millionaires. Your franchises are worth a billion, but that's you know that's paper value as opposed to what's in your bank account. Uh, thank you so much for saying that because that's different. It's a difference in the way it looks on paper and is it liquid. Yeah. Uh, we talk about guaranteed contracts and why some owners are reluctant is because uh, a set amount of that money has to be put in escrow. And so you have to have real dollars to be able to put a hundred million plus in escrow, not to touch it, not to utilize it. So, um, yeah, there are different levels to this when it comes to ownership. The Chargers are a prime example of this with the Spanos family, which basically their entire net worth is the net worth of the Charger franchise. Uh, but liquid, not so much. All right, coming up on the other side, we've been talking about this NFL draft less than two weeks away. We're going to jump in with our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, Adam Kaplan, joins us next. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field. 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Steve Harbin, Bucky Brooks, you are listening to Fox Sports Saturday, and we are live from the TireRack.com studios we're going to get you ready for the NFL draft, which, according to Bucky, there's only one bigger thing, and that's the Super Bowl. Joining us right now is our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, Inside the Birds podcast, Sirius XM NFL. You get it. The man is everywhere. We have missed you, Adam. It's great to have you back uh, on this uh, Saturday here. Um, let's get to business here. Before yeah. we get to some of the latest draft news, a couple of things to take care of. Uh, what, what's the latest on the sale of the commanders? Uh, what is the holdup, if any, disappointed by the price tag, which, by the way, was, what, 30% more than what the Broncos went for? Mm. Uh, take us through the process. When will this officially be done? Yeah, so here's the first thing. It's sort of like a bill of sale. So you have a verbal agreement. You have a, a, a agreement in principle between the Josh Harris group uh, and then obviously Daniel Snyder. But because nothing has been signed, there's speculation that maybe someone else could raise the price. I, my understanding is uh, from one of the coaches who found out yesterday that the, the, he asked me about Josh Harris. So I'm assuming that uh, this is going to happen. You know, there's other reports out there. So uh, Josh Harris has been an interesting guy, owner of the Sixers and the NBA, the Devils, his group of uh, the NHL. And remember, he tried to buy the Broncos. He, he wanted it. Uh, it fell a little bit short. Uh, they got Magic Johnson involved. He's sort of like the lucky charm. And this thing's going to get done. Now, here's the process. So you have to have everything. The, 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 the attorneys for both sides have to sign off. The, the, the paperwork's got to be signed off, then sent into the league. Now, we've got an owner's meetings late next month. This is what's called the spring meeting. Uh, there'll be an update there for sure. And then what happens is if... Everything, if the league's satisfied with what they've been told and what they see, it'll be brought up to a, a special vote. This is just like the Broncos last year. The, the, they had the, the agreement of the sale was in June, and it got voted on. You needed three-quarters vote. It got, it, it got passed to the, the Walmart group in August. You know, Adam, you've been around the league long enough to know when ownership changes— that typically means that the front office and, and the yep. head coach changes. So does Ron Rivera enter this year kind of like a, a win and a win and go home situation? Pretty much. You know, this, this, the shame of it is this is what happened with him in Carolina. David Tepper buys the team. He has one year under Tepper, then he's let go. 
And here you go. Now, Josh Harris, I could tell you from people who have worked for the Sixers, is very demanding. Uh, he's not, look, he's, I think he's going to be a good owner. He's actually been a good Sixers owner. He's willing to spend money. You're not going to read anything embarrassing about him off the field or anything like that. But he's a demanding guy from people who've worked for him with the Sixers. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, the, Bucky, there's no question. And by the way, Ron has personnel control, which is also interesting. Uh, he, he brought in some of his people from Carolina to, to Washington. Marty Herney's the, the big one. And uh, yeah, more often than not in professional sports, the ownership. Now, look, if they make the playoffs with, with, the, with the group of quarterbacks they have, I mean, I, I can't imagine Ron would lose his job. But remember now, Josh Harris, like Daniel Snyder, grew up a Washington Commanders fan, or of course the football team fan. He's from that area, he's from Maryland. And this, this, getting this team means a lot to him. So yeah, the expectations absolutely are going to be raised here. Why did the Ravens sign Odell Beckham? Huh. So well, this is fascinating. So when, I don't know, if I, t- I think I talked to you guys after I got home from the owners meeting. So well, first of all, if you looked, Steve, at the Ravens situation at receiver, it's been dire. Uh, they finished the season. It, things got so bad. Sammy Watkins was there. Deshaun Jackson was there. They were just finding anyone who could walk, and that was pretty much it. And so, and Rashad Bateman, who was supposed to be their number one receiver, had the Lisfranc Franck injury. That's a nine-month rehab at the at very least. It's a bad, it's a midfoot break. That's a really bad one. So they brought in Nelson Aguilar as a journeyman receiver, could play inside and outside. They didn't have anyone to start opposite him. They don't know. They feel optimistic about Bateman's recovery, but they can't say for sure. And when you look at it, guys, they had to do something. But the thing is, Steve, on your question, it's really, I got to tell you, it's unlike Eric DaCosta, their general manager, is very conservative, like his, his mentor, Ozzie Newsom. They, they like to draft and develop. They supplement a little, little bit through free agency. But what people in the league are calling this, this is an above-market deal. No one in free agency got more than $11 million a season. And he's got $15 million f- fully guaranteed signing. That's, just, that's hard to believe a guy's coming back from the second ACL injury to his left knee. But they're desperate. They're desperate to, uh, to get this done. Now, I know people are speculating, well, Lamar will come in right now. No, Lamar has not changed his mind. I know that he and OBJ are friends. Like the, the hope is by the start of training camp, the heartstrings are pulled by OBJ. And he comes in there. But understand here, the one thing that really is disappointing, you've got a, new, you've got a new, brand new offensive scheme here with Todd Monken. It's completely different from Greg Roman's. And and Lamar's got to learn this offense, and, and I'm saying this because I don't I don't it's I don't say it's never happened, but right now it's highly unlikely Lamar's going to be moved. You know, in, in thinking about the Lamar situation and that, like, I want to go to quarterbacks. So there's been a lot of conversation about the Houston Texans and the draft, and maybe the Houston Texans may not be in love with uh, the second quarterback that could be available in the draft, and they may move out and maybe take a defensive player. Have you heard anything about the Texans not feeling the pressure to take a quarterback at the top of the draft? Well, Bucky, here's the thing that, that we should mention with the Texans. They have the Browns first-round pick from the – Deshaun Watson trade, they have the 12th pick overall. And Will Levis and Richardson are certainly wild cards. Will Levis, look, some people think, well, four, four quarterbacks go in the first nine picks. Okay, maybe that'll happen. Or if Philly trades out, maybe someone will trade up to get the 10th pick from the Eagles because the Eagles are always looking to wheel and deal. Particularly, they have, they have two first-round picks. So when it comes to the Texans, they have to come out of this first round with a quarterback. They're, they're, they have to. So, Bucky, they're going to draft a quarterback, whether it's 2 or 12, a trade down, because they're in a complete rebuild. Nick Casario, the GM, I know he walked into a, the Hornets' nest two years ago with his team. 
He didn't even know about the Sean Watson stuff. Nobody knew about it. But this is a total rebuild. So if they trade down, they have to think they're going to get one of the two quarterbacks. I'll answer your question that way. They would not do this without knowing they're going to get a quarterback uh, within the first 12 picks. I'm always curious about the evolution of things in general. Um, and as you know, Adam, back in the day, I was in that draft room in 1987 <laughs> with yeah. Mr. Davis, Ron Wolf, Tom Flores, all Hall of Famers. Uh, when in the seventh round of a, what was then a 12-round draft, they said, you know what? As uh, Mr. Davis said, uh, uh, let's let's take Bo Jackson. Oh, um, gosh. Um, it's quite a scene, but it was so mom and pop back in those days, obviously, compared to what yeah. it is now. What what are some of the later latest trends now in the way teams are operating this draft? Because you know, Bucky and I have talked about the fact that not only do you have your own draft board, but you have to figure out what every else is doing. Yeah. You have to have a plan B, plan C, plan D. Are there any differences, maybe in the scouting routines or just the general demeanor of NFL teams as they approach the draft? Well, they have more information, although it's paralysis by analysis in some mm-hmm. respects. They yeah. definitely have more information. And here's, a, here's one for you. You kind of alluded to this, but I'll go a little deeper. Every team does their own mock draft. They, they have every other team's, what they project to be the depth charts right before the draft. I've seen it before. Um, teams have shown me kind of what they, because they didn't show me theirs, but they'll show me the other teams where they, they think, they basically have an idea, Steve, answer your question, what the other team's going to do. Do they know 100%? No. But the other thing is, they will, like this, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to, this is interesting. So, and, and anyone who's done, high-level reporting has been through this, you will get calls from GMs. Hey, what do you, if they know you like it, if they know you're close to a particular team, I'll, I'll give you, uh, in 2020 draft, there was a GM who called me, said, hey, I know you've done a lot of reporting on the specific, it wasn't the Eagles, it was a different team. And he asked me, hey, what do you think? I said, I'll find, you know, I'll know. I'll have a, I mean, I won't know 100%, but I'll have a pretty good idea where they're going to go. So this is what's happened since, Steve, where you were with the Raiders, the, the information gathering is very, very intense. And by the way, they have their interns scouring Twitter to see player visits and any, any speculation. And, and, and they also look at all these mock drafts. It's, it kind of shocks me, but a lot of general managers do that. Uh, it's funny, when I was with the Carolina Panthers, we used to mock the mocks, meaning we used to have the backboard. We used to have uh, the top eight guys that we viewed as the mock drafters. We oh, would Rick. always update uh, it so we could kind of see which names were yeah. were trending. And so um, that is not a surprise to to hear you talk about that part of it. Quickly, um, I remember at the owners' meetings, Jed York talked about um, the best thing that you can do is have a rookie quarter, if a quarterback on a young rookie deal that allows you to build up the team. I've heard more owners talk like that. Do you believe that buzz, that that theory is kind of circulating at the higher level so we may see more teams kind of commit to younger quarterbacks because it appears to give your team a, a better chance of reaching the Super Bowl? Well, here's the thing. Brock Purdy's going to be the starter. Like he's, you know, he took the less invasive uh, elbow surgery. And this is the craziness of it. And they cannot do anything to his contract because he's only the second year, folks. He's only, and I say only, but he's only going to make 870000 this coming season. Hmm. I mean, that's just insane. And they, they, again, they can't touch it. You have to wait till after the third season. That came in about in, uh, about 20 years ago. Well, the CBA, you had to wait three years instead of two years to extend a deal or re- restructure or, re- or extend. Look, it, it, but when it comes to the Niners, right, with Trey Lance, th- this was never their plan for Brock Purdy to start. It just happened. He got hurt. Uh, I Yeah, I don't, I don't know that they want to get – they always want to go with the best player no matter what the cost is, but – 
what we're seeing, there's more of a willingness, this, and this is why I brought up San Francisco. You would think with all that the Niners gave up to trade up for Trey Lance, they would just say, look, Brock did a great job, and maybe he's going to be a good backup, but Trey Lance is our guy. We gave up a ton to give, give up for him. No, that's, I'm told they made this decision as soon as they, they, they lost in Philly. They didn't know how bad it was within 24 hours with Purdy. But, and they're still saying the same thing. Once Purdy's ready to go, he's their starter. And Kyle Shanahan has been very public about it. Like, he'll give Lance a chance to beat him out. But it's Purdy, Purdy mania is sort of going forward here. And that, that's the way they want to go. Final word here, Adam, as far as the draft is concerned. Now, Bucky, who's seen it all, done it all. He said Super Bowl one, draft two on the NFL calendar. Where do you rate the NFL draft? In terms of popularity? Well. Oh, well, certainly, yes. That would be one and two in terms of popularity. But, again, it depends. Like, for what I do for a living, Super Bowl media. Steve, you and I commiserated and met, and we had a, we had a, we had a lot of fun. Super Bowl, I actually do a lot of business for, for my career. Like, I'm able to yeah. see people. It's Super Bowl media. They call it media row now. They don't call it radio row any, anymore because of the podcasters. Yeah, exactly. It was 90% podcast. Yeah. It's great for business now, but for, for general public, super, nothing will ever beat the Super Bowl. But I would tell you, though, there, there, sometimes, look, it could be, it could be the play. It could, now, I know, so I, let me leave you with this, and you, you guys, I would think, would agree. Sometimes Wild Card Weekend is f- fantastic. The more games we have in the playoffs, the better. And I, I, I was not a fan of it, by the way, when they expanded the playoff uh, grouping per conference, but I've grown to actually really like it. Adam, it's great to have you back. We can't be a weekend without you, so next week will be <laughs> that much closer to the big draft day. Adam, your absolute best. Thanks so much. We'll talk okay. to you next week. Thank you. Adam Kaplan joining us there, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider. All right, let's find out what is trending right now as we will welcome back Monsi Balaños here, who, um, you know, I had a little talk with her mom today. And, yes. You know, has everything settled down at the house? You yes, know? Yeah. yes. No, she's just too nice. Mm-hmm. She's By the way, too nice. If the people that park their van... In front of your parents' driveway, mm-hmm. um, was upset about the ticket they saw in the window. How would your mom have handled that? I hope there wasn't a problem. I don't know what my mom would have done. I don't. I don't know. My mom is not doesn't like to start drama or mm. encourage drama or anything. Yeah. We're very opposite. We're <laughs> exact. I could not have fallen further have you from ever the tree. You are the way you are because <laughs> your mother is the way she is. Probably. Yeah. Probably. But no, I'm sure if she saw something, you know. It wouldn't surprise me if my mom was like peeking through a window as these people approach the car. And I, don't, I haven't talked to her, so I don't even know. They might still not be at their car yet. But she would be totally peeking from like a window where she can't be seen to see how they would react. 100% that is my mother. As I said, I would be outside waiting for them. So I could have a little chit-chat about their choices. But, you know, that's another day, another day. Guys, the third NBA playoff game is officially underway between the Knicks and the Cavs. Still plenty of game left. Three minutes to go in the first quarter. But it's the Knicks who are up. 21-18 is the score. This is the matchup that I said could go to seven games. I called that the Celtics would sweep the Hawks. And I'm saying this one could go to seven games. That's what I think. But, yeah, Knicks on top 20. 21-18, three minutes to go in the first quarter. Earlier 
today. Victories for the 76ers, who took down the Nets 121-101. to They hit 21 three-pointers in that victory. And the Boston Celtics beat the Atlanta Hawks 112-99. to That score doesn't do it justice. They were up by 30 at one mm-hmm. point. Uh, but the final score, 112-99. to Jalen Brown led the way for the Celtics. 29 points, 12 rebounds. Trey Young, 5 of 18 from the field. No bueno. Ended with 16 points and eight assists. Major League Baseball, it is Jackie Robinson Day. Everybody's wearing 42. This is the day where those people in the press box are having a rough time. <laughs> I, everybody looks the same. Everybody's wearing 42. I do believe, you, though, you, Mr. Hartman, you would be fine if you were covering baseball I, in a I'm press box. I, I, honestly, I am, you know, the funny thing about it is I am a numbers fanatic. You are. Except when it comes to uniform numbers. People say, so uh, what do you, what do you uniform is that guy wearing? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, well, today would be perfect for you. Everybody's wearing 42, but I, I, I for what I don't know what it is. I don't pay attention to uniform numbers. I never have. I'm with you. I, I know like the obvious ones, yeah. but but I'm with you. I'm with you. No, we know 42. That we know we 42. Everybody's wearing that today and currently going on. It's the Nationals beating the Guardians 3-1, to one, bottom of the third inning. The Brewers and the Padres were tied at one point, and the Padres have taken the lead. 8-3 to three is the score, top of the eighth inning. You can catch this game on FS1. The Mets have taken the lead over the A's. They were tied, not anymore, 3-2, bottom of the eighth inning. The Angels and the Red Sox were tied, but the Angels are now on top 7-6 top of the 8th Marlins beating the Diamondbacks 3-2 bottom of the 8th inning and the Reds are shutting out the Phillies 8-0 bottom of the 8th inning victories for the Twins the Tigers it was Miguel Cabrera who walked it off with an RBI single and they beat the Giants victories also for the White Sox the Pirates and the Blue Jays and other just NBA news that I thought this was interesting the Bulls had their end of the year press conference they lost yesterday to the Miami Heat so they're not in the playoffs, the official playoffs, but the VP or vice president of the Bulls said that the team is not looking to rebuild in the offseason, that he believes in the core despite going 40 and 42, and he expressed that he would like to bring the entire roster back, the Chicago Bulls. Back to you guys. That's usually the sign that you're out the door. I mean, (laughs) if you're the guy in charge of personnel and you're good with a losing season, let's do it again. It's usually the time to move on and find another line of work. I I thought it was interesting, too. Yeah, Yeah, if I was the owner of the team, I'm like, so you're good with this, huh? You like that? You want to repeat it next year? Expecting different results. You'd have a little chit-chat. Yeah, I'd I'd maybe remind him that uh, I'm not happy uh, with a losing season and a 10 seed, uh, regardless of uh, one of our players' daughters screaming our way to a play in victory. All right, uh, Monsi, thank you so much. Great job as usual. Yeah, I don't don't think any uh, GM worth his salt would be happy after even a 500 season. I mean, got to get better, right, Bucky? I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. Sort of Always. prerequisite when you're mediocre. Um, I wanted to. I was going to ask Adam this, and I, I, I we ran out of time with Adam. I'll ask you this uh, as we continue to uh, look ahead to this NFL draft. So again, looking at when it, when is your mock draft 4.0 going to be out, Bucky? When's your next mock draft? Uh, that would be next Monday, I think. Next right, week of the draft. Okay, so uh, we'll have one more mock draft. But when we, 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 Caroline obviously moving up to get the number one overall pick, but we've heard all the speculation about Houston at two, Arizona at three, Indy at four. 
I mean, you know, Seattle and Detroit fell into their picks at five and six. Do you expect, because we always speculate on teams trading down, adding picks. Um, again, with when you talk about the Texans, their situation is unique because they also have the 12th pick in the draft. So, you know, they could say, well, we're not happy with either, you know, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, whoever's sitting at number two. Maybe we're more in answer, uh, you know, with a Levis or Richardson. Maybe we like them and can get them at number 12. But when you look at these teams at the very top of the draft, are they going to hold their positions? Or do you see one or more of these teams trading down in this year's draft? Well, you have to have a trade partner. You know, you have to have someone who wants to get up to your spot. And a lot of times the players drive that, meaning the talent of the players makes it where you want to get up there. And so this year is different because there aren't as many blue chip players as we normally would have at the top of the draft. And so there's not the same fervor or excitement about moving up. Yes, we have speculated that, you know, a quarterback could drive it. Someone would come up to get one of the quarterbacks. But I'm still kind of hesitant on that because I need to I need to see it. After last year, after we talked so much about those quarterbacks, we talked about all of them. You know, we talked about Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter. And we tried to manufacture situations with Matt Corral trying to be first-round picks. And none of those guys went into first round. All of them were third-round picks. And so I just think everyone needs to be careful to not fall into that, that TV land fantasy of, A, the quarterbacks drive everything we have to do it and just make sure that the talent of the players drives it and so I don't see it as such there may be some movement but I don't think it's going to be the feed and frenzy where everyone is trying to trade up to get into the top 10 it just seems crazy to me with so many teams looking for quarterbacks so many teams talking about you know uh, an Anthony Richardson or a Will Levis you know two guys that you have deemed not worthy uh, based on their talent to be high picks uh, in this draft and yet still not a single offer for Lamar Jackson. Not one. Uh, well, the, some of that, the Lamar Jackson thing, some of that stems from the fact that, you know, when I briefly asked Adam about, like, owners and this 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 buzz or this trend where people are talking about the money and the the – the the more you're able to build around a young quarterback, the better it is in terms of just being able to allocate cash elsewhere. Teams don't necessarily want the high-priced quarterback. And so when you have that, and it appears that that's the way that it's going to cycle with Lamar Jackson, that's why you don't have the, the same interest. Yes, there's some questions about his game and those things, but it's the sticker price. If Lamar Jackson's sticker price wasn't over $40 million, well, then more uh, interest in that. But because it is what it is and where it's going to be, like that's why you've had a lot of people not want to even engage in it. I'm looking at Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. They're sitting with the eighth pick. you telling me Atlanta would be willing to pay the price, Arthur Blank? I mean, th- this guy, he's gotten to a Super Bowl, came as close to a Super Bowl win as possible, blowing that game, obviously, to the New England Patriots. You're telling me, sitting there, you wouldn't give up two number ones and whatever price tag necessary to get a Lamar Jackson, especially in that division? Yeah, I mean, look, look, that, there, there's something to that. But, you know, the other thing that you always have to remember, Steve, when it comes to this stuff is whatever people thought about a player um, in the run-up to the draft. Yeah, I know. You tell me. Very reluctant to move off of those initial opinions. And so a lot of times you spend that player's whole career saying, see, I told you. See, I told you he wasn't or he was or those things. It's kind of like the fascination with Sam Donald. The people that were pro-Sam Donald are the ones that are optimistic that San Francisco will finally give us the opportunity to see 
see the Sam Donald that we talked about coming out of USC. Those who are more doubtful or don't believe in Sam, they're like, I don't understand why you keep getting these opportunities. So a lot of it is how do you come into the league? How are you viewed coming into the league? A lot of that determines the way people view you around the league. All right, coming up on the other side, why this is such a big day for Major League Baseball. This is Fox Sports Saturday. Joel with it, a three-point shot by a beat is good. He only had one three in the regular season against Brooklyn, but he gives the Sixers their largest lead of the game. That is WPEN 97.5, the Fanatics 76ers radio network, and that is our Progressive Play of the Day, brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. By the way, the 76ers, Bucky, 21 of 43. That's 48.8% on their three-point shooting. James Harden alone, seven threes today. So uh, blowout win. This series uh, is going to be quick. Quick. Ken, Ken judge by the first game. Ken judge by the first well, I, game. Like, I mean, like I mean easy. the Nets the uh, are down a couple of superstar players. Um, mm-hmm. One that's still alive and another one that uh, is not <laughs> alive in the playoffs. Uh, by the way, once again, we are live from the TireRack.com studios. I want to thank our uh, revolving supporting crew today. So Chris always takes over for Iowa Sam. Uh, Monsi obviously doing the updates. And then we went from Ryan to Brandon producing today. There was a lot of musical chairs going on here today. Bucky guys coming and going. So uh, a lot of uh, busyness out there. Um, I want I, I want to get back again to uh, what's happening today in Major League Baseball uh, with Jackie Robinson Day. Not just Jackie Robinson Day, but just in general. I mean, wow, Major League Baseball has really made some sweeping changes that at least early on are doing exactly what they were hoping. They were hoping with a pitch clock and with uh, no longer having the shift available to you know load up one side of the diamond um, and the multiple throws, limiting the throws to first base, that it would shorten the games. How about 30 minutes less? On average, 30 yeah, minutes less. Scoring is way up. Something you and I both talked about that we're in love with. Stolen bases. They're back. I mean, they're back with a vengeance. Um, yeah, I, I saw yesterday the, the Brewers had six stolen bases in their game against the Padres. When's the last time we saw that? Uh, so everything they were hoping to happen for Major League Baseball. And again, when you think about what Jackie Robinson brought to the Major Leagues as a player, he was the kind of guy that when he was on the base pass – he was not only a fast runner, but he was an aggressive runner. I mean, he was a football player. He looked like a football player. And he ran with a vengeance out there, and just everyone was on their feet anytime that Jackie was on base to see what he's going to do. And to bring some of that element back to baseball, I think is going a long way. I love what I see so far this year in Major League Baseball. No, I'm with you. 
I, I love it. It's brought the old school baseball back. It's exciting to watch because before, I'll be honest, I would go to Dodger games and the Dodgers were big boppers. Like they, they're hitting, waiting for home runs. And so, man, you go inning upon inning upon inning without seeing any action. Well, now you're seeing people play small ball. You're seeing people bunt. You're seeing people move people over. You're seeing the return of the stolen base and, and some of the hit and run stuff that used to be popularized in the 70s and 80s. And so for me, it's a much better product. It's a more entertaining product. And because they've cut the time down, it's a watchable product because it doesn't occupy your entire evening. So kudos to baseball for making those changes. Really, Theo Epstein was the driving force behind it. Pass off to him. Yeah, Theo undoing what he admitted he did because the analytics he brought to the game is the reason we had the game that we had up until last season. So if anyone would know how to undo it, it would be the guy that put it together, Theo Epstein, and he's done that now working uh, for Major League Baseball. Uh, all right, so these uh, NBA playoffs here, Bucky, uh, I just want to get some quick predictions, especially you mentioned you like Golden State in this series against the uh, – uh, uh, the goal against the Kings. I, I haven't gotten a definitive answer, though, on where you stand on this Lakers-Grizzlies series. Who do you like in that series and why? I still like Memphis in the series, but I put an asterisk vibe because LeBron James and Anthony Davis can go bonkers at any time. Memphis is the better team. They've been the better team throughout the season, but the Lakers are beginning to come into their own. And so the X factor is Austin Reeves. If Austin Reeves can be the third scorer behind LeBron and AD, the Lakers have a chance to take those, but for them to take it, they have to go all seven. Yeah, I think they also need D'Angelo Russell to hit, what was he, one for nine in that play-in game? That's that's not going to cut it, but uh, we got all these NBA playoffs, and of course next week when we come back, we're going to have much more breaking down this year's NFL draft. Hey, for all your sports news, you know where to be. Keep it right here. This is Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.